Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase I'm Betty, I'm a flight attendant for a major airline And I bring you stories from the airplane from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. The music for this episode was recorded in a restaurant named Mediterraneo by a singer named Pietro in Positano, Italy. It's really kind of a tongue twister. Try to say that three times. Pietro at Mediterraneo in Positano. Anyway, let's get on with the show. So in the last episode, I was saying how there was the best story I had heard in a long time about Herman, the turtle that was stuck to the window with suction cup footies. I'll explain it again in a minute for those of you who didn't hear it. But uh, my next trip, I was working to London and on a big plane with a big crew, you basically have half of the crew working in business class and half of the crew working in coach. So... It's almost like having two crews. So I was working business on the way over, and on the ground, I told them the story about Herman being stuck to the window with the suction cup footies. <laughs> we, we all thought it was funny, and, uh, you know, I, these were people I didn't know, so this way it broke the ice. They were already laughing and in a good mood because we were talking about Herman the turtle. So we lay over, and um, the next day we pick up really early. It's it's, it's, I don't know, like two o'clock in the morning, our time. So lots of times there isn't that much chatter on the van because uh, a lot of people don't have a lot of energy at that time in the morning, even though I do. So if it's up to me, I'd be chatting and telling stories the whole way. But lots of times people want to sleep and I sort of just have to, you know, gauge the crowd. So we get on the bus in the morning and the purser, as soon as we sit, sit down, she launches into this... I, I was trying to go to sleep last night, and all I could think about was Herman. And I couldn't, I, 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 I was worried about him because I was thinking there's no way she could have made these footies and put suction cups on him and it worked the first time. She had to have like many incarnations of this contraption. So how many times did poor Herman fall off of the window? You know, because the footies weren't <laughs> tight enough or the suction cups, you know, like we tried to 
to put a suction cup on something in the shower is always falling down. And this is like a, a creature. And uh, the other flight attendant chimes in who had been working business who heard the story said, um, I was thinking about it too. I was thinking, how does she get the legs out of the shell to put the footies on? You know, because lots of times they're, they're, they're in there. So does she, does she, how does she pull them out? Does she need tweezers to get the legs out? And at this point, the flight attendant who had been working in coach, who hadn't heard any of this, he just goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> because we're talking about suction cups and shells and tweezers. It's two o'clock in the morning. And also the pilots that we took over, they weren't with us. They were actually staying in another hotel. So they, they were sitting at the back of the bus, probably because they wanted to take a nap and, uh, I wasn't thinking about the pilots at this point, but this girl was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I said, oh, you know, you weren't in, we were in different sections yesterday. And I told this story uh, about how their, this girl was boarding the flight and she noticed something weird on the window and she stopped to look and she was thinking, what am I looking at? And she was said to the lady, what, wh- what is that? And the lady said, oh, this is Herman. And she said, well, Hi, Herman. And she's like, it's my pet turtle, and he likes to look out the window. And she had these footies stuck on his arms and legs with suction cups, and he was stuck to the window. <laughs> and so the girl, when she said he likes to look out the window, the flight attendant said, well, how do you know? Because <laughs> she was thinking, what if Herman is terrified, immobilized on the window, kind of going like, ah! <laughs> then we kept talking. The rest of the way, the whole way, it's a long drive from uh, downtown London to Heathrow. And we were talking about, well, what happens when Herman has to go to the bathroom? You know, does he just pee or poop down the window? You know, Uh, (laughs) so we get off the van. We get to go through this whole rigmarole in London. You know, it's like pat downs. They go through our bags. It's a it's a it's a lengthy security process. And it's part of the reason that London is a junior international trip because people just don't like it. So we get out of the van, you know, get all our luggage, they go through everything. We get back on the van, and this is the first time I'm really acknowledging the the pilot. And I said to him, because I, I, I knew that he probably thought it was a strange van ride. We're talking about turtles and suction cups and tweezers and, and turtles peeing down the window on the airplane. So I said to him, I said, oh, you know, I, you know, I introduced myself and I said, I bet you that was a lot of uh, turtle talk for you in the morning. And he said, I, I, don't, I don't know about a turtle, but I was very worried about that gerbil that was stuck to the window. <laughs> he was sitting further back in the bus. And he thought when I was telling the story, instead of a turtle, I said gerbil. So the whole time he's picturing a gerbil with footies with suction cups stuck to the window of the airplane. I ran into the girl that told me about the famous Herman story. And she said, oh, you know what? Uh, I forgot to tell you something. She goes, when the lady took Herman off the window, because he had the suction cup booties on, she said it went pop, 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 pop. <laughs> we were on the very... What do you mean? You have a what? I have a screamer. On the back of the 727, we had done our little service, a, a red-eye, a screaming passenger. Wait, but what was he screaming? Well, he was screaming he had to get out. Oh. Ah! <laughs> and he came running to the back, reached over. He had, so we're sitting on the jump seat with our yeah, reading yeah. material. 
gently started to grab the door handle, which of course you can't open during flight because right. it's pressurized, which set off a, 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 not an alarm, but something in the cockpit. Yeah. They're calling back saying, why is the, uh, you know, we see a door, it's, something's yeah. going on with the door. And he just screamed, I have to get out. Help! <laughs> and we're like, oh, sir, sir, sir. Oh, yo, you need to sit down. So the other girl next to me flashed on all the lights, which in you know on the red eye, late at night on the way Did to. All the other passengers like, go. Ah. Well, they all woke up, turned around, and we're kind of like, ah. you know, we're trying to get this guy. The guy got down on his hands and knees and started crying. He goes, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt her like that. We don't know what he did." But we Do you mean to hurt her? Yes. And when he landed, when we landed, who did he hurt? We don't know. When we landed, the captain had he was he calmed himself down. And when we landed, the captain had authorities come up the back steps and take him off. And as he was getting off, he goes, "Thank you. It's been a nice flight. <laughs> Best flight ever." took a quick trip to Italy. Now, I know that sounds strange, taking, I took a quick trip to Europe, uh, but I had some time off because my trips were all kind of smooshed together. And so when your trips are all kind of smooshed together, then you have a block of days off. And I had been wanting to go to Naples and the Amalfi Coast, mainly because I wanted to, I like to snorkel. And <laughs> You know, I've been looking up snorkel sites for another trip, and one one of they, they listed as like one of the ten best snorkel places in the world, or most unique snorkel places in the world, is in near Naples, like six miles north of Naples. And I was thinking, Naples? Why in the world would they have good snorkeling? But you know, when the volcano erupted, Mount Vesuvius, you know, that caused all the problems in Pompeii and Herculaneum. Also, there was a a port that sank, so it's now underwater. So you can actually snorkel around ancient Roman ruins. There's there's mosaic floors and statues down there, which sounded fantastic. Now, I knew, because I was going late April, beginning of May, it might not be the best weather, but I took my, my snorkel, my max, my fins, my... <laughs> underwater camera because I think this is going to be fantastic it'll be a good story uh but you know the weather wasn't the weather was great for hiking around ruins but not for snorkeling and they weren't even doing any um snorkel trips so I'll have to go back for that and the unfortunate part about me mainly going for the snorkeling is you know fins and snorkel gear take up a lot of space and I don't like to check a bag so I didn't really take the things that I would end up needing <laughs> You know, I forego certain things so I could put the snorkel stuff in, then I didn't get to snorkel. So, another day, another quick trip to Naples, hopefully. I'm now in a room in Pompeii. I had no idea Pompeii was so large. It's gigantic. I'll tell you, it's very easy to get lost. <laughs> it was a big city. And it's amazing how it's so preserved by all that volcanic ash. So yesterday, I walked to the top of Mount Vesuvius, the thing that caused all the problems, but actually saved all of this for us to see today. And uh, I think it happens a lot, but it, <laughs> the top of the volcano was in a cloud. So basically, you're walking in a cloud, so um, you can't really see anything. But I did get to the top. <laughs> I basically just took a Vesuvius shower. I was soaking wet. But I guess you don't get to take a 
Vesuvius shower that often. The other thing I thought was interesting is quite a few people on the hike, walk, whatever you want to call it, had pickaxes and they were taking a piece of, they wanted to take a piece of Mount Vesuvius with them. But you know, if everybody took a piece, I don't know, there wouldn't be that much left. So I had started recording this story in Pompeii because I thought it was kind of fun to actually record the story where it's happening. When I was hiking Vesuvius, I didn't plan on hiking Vesuvius that day. I had planned to just go to Herculaneum, which is a small archaeological excavation. It's not that big. Uh, I dressed accordingly, and I had a skirt on. I like to wear skirts, but, but I had on walking shoes with they have a small, they are walking shoes, but they have a small heel. I like to, I use them lots of times walking around Europe because it's very comfortable. So when I went to Herculaneum, at the same train stop, there's a service that takes you on a bus part, part of the way up Vesuvius, and then you hike the rest of the way. And it's the same train stop. And I had finished Herculaneum in the morning. I still had the afternoon, and here's this right there. And I thought... Yeah, let's do it. Plus, it's a bus ride, so I, I didn't think it'd be any serious hiking or anything because they're taking you up on a bus, and, you know, it's tourists, so, you know, they wouldn't make you walk too far or anything, I'm assuming. So I decided, okay, yeah, I'm here. Let's do Vesuvius today, and I guarantee you I was the only one on that volcano in a skirt and heels. <laughs> but, you know, I don't ever really care if I look ridiculous because I don't know. I don't know these people. I'll never see them again. Yeah, so I'm the American hiking up a volcano in a skirt and heels. <laughs> but you know what? Even though it was covered in a cloud, I still decided to go all the way to the top. And uh, it was kind of far up there. And a lot of those people that were wearing like hiking shoes and pants didn't make it. But I made it in my skirt and heels. But I have to say those, um, those shoes... They, I, they look a lot worse for wear. I, I don't know if I can wear them anymore. <laughs> I might have to ditch those hiking heels. I was on my first Dublin trip, and I decided to get those little cards that are called city walks. You take one one card, a flash card, do a do a city walk. And the first thing that we did was the one that goes around St. Stephen Green. And it said, make sure you went to this particular church, the St. John Newman Church, with all this beautiful, different architecture. So I talk someone into going with me. She follows. We go into St. Stephen's, uh, St. John Newman's Church. And Mass is going on. And we can tell that it's past the sermon. So we decide to stay, go to communion, and then we've made our day. We sit down, go through Mass go to communion, and I noticed that a lot of people weren't going to communion for it being a Tuesday afternoon. I'm thinking, why would you come to church if you weren't going to go to communion? So we come around and sit back down. At the front was a little boy who was up and down off the pews and around and laying on the floor, about three years old, and we come back and we sit down, and the priest does the final blessing, and the woman gets up, and she starts to speak. We are in the middle of a private funeral service for a woman whose name was Fiona. Fiona was a researcher at a hospital in Dublin, must have been the most fantastic woman ever, ever, ever born because she could downhill ski, run a sailboat. Um, she was a fabulous chef, a a you name it, and this woman was the est of all of it. Then her husband gets up 
her husband gets up and he starts to speak and the little boy who's been crawling around on the floor is Sam. He's about three. She found out when she was pregnant with Sam that she had ovarian cancer. Didn't know why she wasn't feeling well, thought it was just the baby and found out she had ovarian cancer and she passed away just a few months previous to this. So Sam's like three. So of course we are all just hit by this. We don't know this lady. We're sobbing. And the girl says to me, they invite us, they invite everyone in the church to go to the repast. And she grabs my arm and she goes, we are not going to the repast dinner. So we walk around for the rest of the day and we lit a candle that night. And we walked around for the rest of the day. And Fiona was always just right at my heart. So coming home the next day, we've got a group of to a group of people going to Vegas. The ladies are in the front of the 7-6, the men are in the back. And they have been fabulous, as the Irish usually are. And we um, were finished the last service, and, and these ladies were really fun. We were talking, and I said, can I share something with you? I said, I went to a funeral service yesterday. Here's what happened. I told the story, and a woman in that group said, oh, I was at that service yesterday. Fiona was a colleague of mine. And I said, "Is it, could she possibly have been as fabulous as everyone pronounced that she was? And she said, she was that and more. And every time I go into a church, this is like five or six years ago now, every time I go into a church, I light a candle for Fiona. And now I was thinking the other day, Sam must be nine years old. But you never even met her. Never met her. Didn't know her, you know, never you anything. Crying, yeah. You know, so every time I'm in Dublin, I go to St. John Newman's and every time I just, it just, it was the most bizarre thing that we felt like we, well, that at that moment, we thought we were like um, the cops. You know, we had like hid into the church to get away from the police and all of a sudden we realized that we're in this funeral, funeral service. So if you like the show and would like to support the show, next time you're going to buy something on Amazon, uh, if you consider going to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, and click through the Amazon links, it won't cost you any more, supports the show. And last month, people bought things like wireless speakers, headphones, pampers, patio umbrellas, Kindles, and I think I need to buy some more uh, walking shoes that I ruined on Mount Vesuvius. So thank you very much. Well, I mentioned the weather wasn't that great for snorkeling in southern Italy, but it was perfect for going to, I had never been to Pompeii and Herculaneum, and I had read, I had read about Pompeii, of course, a lot, but they say that that whole area that was covered in, in, in volcanic ash and mud and is now preserved for us to see a way of life, you know, thousands of years ago, they say it's the, the closest you can get to time travel, you know, at this point in the world. <laughs> so I, I want to time travel. So I went to Naples and it, it's my first impression of Naples is uh, what a lot of other people say. It, it was gritty. <laughs> trying to put it nicely there you know there's homeless people there was trash on the street uh i was staying in not the best part of town because i'm always on a budget so um i was slightly worried and i had read a lot about pickpockets and things like that so i usually use a backpack when i'm traveling just because it's more convenient and what if you're going hiking but it 
for this trip, I didn't bring the backpack because I had all the snorkel stuff. And I brought a purse that I could, like a travel purse, but I could sling it around the front of me so I could hold on to it in the front. So I was walking around, you know, clutching my, <laughs> my bag, walking through the bad part of Naples. But you know what? I ended up I ended up liking Naples. The food was really good. Uh, it was inexpensive, and, and it was easy traveling spot to get to Pompeii and Herculaneum. And I just loved, <laughs> I loved Herculaneum, and I really liked Pompeii because there's just something about, you know, seeing how people used to live. And they had, they had a nice life going on back then. You know, they had swimming pools and, and flushing toilets and ovens that looked like fancy wood-burning ovens you might see in an expensive pizza place today. I mean, and plus their houses were so grand. You could actually go in all these people's houses. It's preserved from the volcano. And as I was traipsing through these people's houses from a thousand years ago, I thought, hmm, I wonder if thousands of years from now, Somebody's going to be walking through your house to see, oh, look how they lived those thousands of years ago. <laughs> you never know, because I bet those people in Pompeii and Herculaneum weren't going to think that I would be traipsing through their house thousands of years in the future to see how they lived. You know, you just don't think like that. So every once in a while, I will do a clip from my one of my favorite podcasts, uh, NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. You can find it at iTunes, NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Especially, it's a, it's a news quiz, and I like when they do an airline story, and this is one I hadn't heard of before. The plane was forced to make an emergency landing after its fire alarm was triggered by blank. Spiders. No. <laughs> farting, Snakes. Farting cows. Get these mother farting cows off. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this overfarted plane. The plane was carrying 390 cows. Something to think about the next time you're complaining about being seated or I was gonna, next to a baby. I was going to say, could they fit in the overhead? No. The cows were releasing enough methane to set off the fire alarm, which forced the plane to make an emergency landing. The cows all jumped down that yellow slide. That was fun to watch. And then all 390 of them blamed it on the dog. <laughs> you know what was really hilarious though watching them try to use the life jackets yeah yeah <laughs> who are these cows that were flying around the country I did not realize this but apparently sometimes you ship cows by airplane livestock livestock oh. I didn't know that I thought you put them on trains or trucks that's what happens when you use like priceline.com yeah you get on the cow plane yeah I got trucks. a great I got a great rate but it's on the cow plane uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, say the world is getting smaller and I think it really is it is easier to travel now than it ever has been and because I work for the airline industry there are other people with travel benefits so you can run into you have a better chance of running into other airline people than regular folks just because it's easier for us to get places so I get off the plane in Rome because I had to take a train to Naples and I or I ran into a flight attendant. I didn't know him. It works for my airline. So that was nice. He knew where he was going to get I had to take two trains. So that was great. And then I, I was going to take this hike called the Path of the Gods. You know, I can't resist something called the Path of the Gods. <laughs> 
sounds right up my alley. It's an ancient trail. There's trails in Italy where people have been using these trails to get from city to city forever. So it, it's really fascinating to think that you're walking the same trail that people did, you know, thousands of years ago. So I want to take the path of the gods. And it goes from Positano to Prariano. And I had read that it takes like six hours. But when I got to Positano, it was already late morning. And I didn't get out of the hotel till like 11. So I was thinking, well, I'm not going to attempt a, a six hour hike because then I'll be running out of sunlight. I'm going by myself. You know, what if I get lost? So, you know, I was trying to be the responsible traveler, not too reckless. So I had read that you can also take a bus from Positano to a little town called Nocele. And that you could then start the trail there. And then it would only be like three hours. So I thought, okay, that's totally doable, right? Three hours. It's now 11 o'clock. Uh, took me a while to get to the bus station, get a ticket. I'm waiting, you know, for the local bus to go to this little town, Nocelle. And <laughs> I start, I'm always talking to people. I start talking to people next to me and it, it's, it's a pilot for my airline. <laughs> he was actually going, waiting at the same bus stop for a bus to Sorrento, but uh, that was fun. And so then here I am, I get on my little local bus. It took me, I didn't, I didn't get to Nocelle till 1 p.m. So thank goodness I wasn't trying to do a six hour hike. Um, just a, the bus was late. There's always, always that kind of stuff. The bus was late. It took longer than I thought. Then it's this like windy bus ride. You're holding on. There's all these local people and they stop everywhere. Uh, but, you know, that's that's part of the fun. And it was a beautiful because it's like a switchback. It's one of the most beautiful drives in the world. Like, you know, you, you got California coastline, you know, from L.A. to San Francisco and then the Amalfi Coast. So it's it's great to be on a bus with those beautiful ocean views with all the houses, you know, built into the cliffside. So now I get to Nocelle. It's now about one o'clock and I wasn't sure how I was going to find the, the entrance to the path, to the path of the gods. Sometimes people call it the walkway of the gods. So I'm getting off that bus and I see, I see two people in hiking clothes and hiking boots and I'm thinking, oh, yay. <laughs> I latch on to them, see where they're going. I said, hey, are you, are you guys doing the hike? They're like, yeah. And I was like, do you know where it starts? They're like, no. So the three of us kind of walk around this teeny, teeny, tiny little town. And, and we ask somebody and they point to where to go. So that, that wasn't a problem. It was a nice Austrian couple. They were more prepared than I was because I didn't bring my backpack because I had brought my snorkel stuff. So I just had this purse. <laughs> I, you know, I, I know I travel all the time. I should be totally prepared, but I also don't want to bring a lot of stuff so I don't have to check a bag. So I, it was, a, you know, it's a rugged purse, but it wasn't a backpack, which doesn't make it as easy for you to use your hands if you have to like scramble on rocks or anything. Because one hand, you got to hold on to the purse. So the purse is kind of flopping around. Anyway, the Austrian couple goes on ahead and that's fine. And uh, it starts pouring down rain like half an hour into the hike it's going to be a three-hour hike that's if i don't get lost and now it's pouring down rain i think i hear cowbells in the distance and uh, okay you know I'm, I'm you know you're in the woods basically so that's normal but now it's pouring down rain and i'm thinking you know 
there's always that question of when to turn back. You know, what, when are you being stupid? You know, you're, you're hiking, it's pouring down rain. The trail was getting a lot harder because, you know, there's giant puddles and then any scrambling over rocks. It was wet. And I'm thinking, oh, I always get myself into these pickles because now, you know, I'm a half hour in, I could turn around half an hour back, but then that seems like an anticlimactic day. You know, I took a bus, started a trail, gave up, turned around, came back. I don't know. I, I wasn't that... I didn't really want to do that. But then I, I see, I keep walking, and I see the two, the Austrian couple up ahead, but they're like standing off the trail. And I'm thinking, what? Why are they doing that? And then I see there's a bunch of goats. <laughs> I thought I heard cowbells, but they were goats and they wanted to go past, but I guess they were afraid of the people. So the Austrian couple were, they were holding their umbrellas. I hadn't thought to get an umbrella out because, you know, you're hiking. But, you know, it made sense because this way you get less wet. So I got my umbrella out. <laughs> It was like a permission to get your umbrella out. Uh, I never hiked with an umbrella before. I never, you know, because if you have a jacket, you can put your hood on. I don't know. But I thought, okay, they got their umbrellas. I got my umbrella out. And I waited on the side of the trail with them as the as the goats went by. And the goats took, there were quite a few goats and a couple dogs herding the goats. And then so I get up to them. And I'm like, they're like, oh, you know, the, all this rain and all this makes it so much harder and all this you know, mud and puddles and, and it's slippery over the rocks. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and they're like, well, I said, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, oh, I don't know. They said, we're just going to stand here for a while to see if it lets up or, you know, we might just then turn back and go catch the bus back, the, you know, the way we came. So I stood with them for like 15 minutes. I was having a nice chat, but the rain wasn't letting up. If anything, it was getting stronger. And they were saying they were probably going to go back. And I said, you know, I think I'll just go a little further and, you know, I'll see how the trail is. I can always still go back. And I said, I'll, I'll see you later. I'll probably see you back at, you know, the bus stop in Nocelli. <laughs> so I keep going. Still keeps pouring down rain, pouring down rain. I got my floppy purse <laughs> umbrella. <laughs> I tell you, I can just make a fool of myself everywhere. You know, I, I hiking my Mount Vesuvius and a skirt and heels. Now I'm hiking the path of the gods and <laughs> with that clunky purse and an umbrella. <laughs> but you know what? I was starting to get worried because I was getting tired. I thought, what if I fall? Now I haven't seen any people. It's pouring down rain. You know, I, but now at this point, I've gone like an hour and a half. So now it's kind of the point of no return. You know, why turn around and go back if it takes just as long as to go to go on? And, you know, I could see something else. And there were really nice views, even though it was raining. So it wasn't as good for photos. Kind of hard to take us taking photos with my umbrella <laughs> up so I could get my camera out. <laughs> I actually put pictures on Instagram at Betty in the Sky. In case you want to see me, the views under my umbrella. <laughs> Of the path of the gods. So then this is when things get tricky and they always seem to get tricky. There were little markings on the trail, uh, red and white stripes, but I came to a fork in the road and there were red and white stripes to the left and red and white stripes to the right. So they're both part of the path, but there's no, there's no sign that says one goes one way and one goes the other. So this is when I was starting to get a little worried because now I want to say it was, uh, you know, because I took the, the stop with the goats and the Austrian couple. <laughs> and I'm going slower because of the puddles and the slippery rocks. So I want to say now it's like 
gaining on four o'clock. And with the path in the road, if I take the wrong direction, I could be running out of sunlight and I didn't bring, oh, I could just smack myself, just smack myself or not. I didn't bring a flashlight or a phone. <laughs> I'm usually very prepared, but I was leaving at 11 o'clock. It's a three hour hike. It wasn't raining when I left. I should, I should not have to worry about it getting dark. But now I was, so I, I, I chose the path to the right and hiking, hiking, and, and now it stops raining. So thinking, oh, thank goodness, because maybe, maybe now it won't take me as long. And I get to another fork in the road, and again, there's red and white stripes one way and red and white stripes the other way. And I think now if I've made, if, if the right turn I made was wrong, and now if I make another wrong turn, you know, shoot, <laughs> you can be stuck on the path of the gods overnight. <laughs> but I thought, all right, I turned to the right again, and you know what? I hiked like another, I don't know, 15 minutes, and I saw a church, a church. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm not even religious, but I'll tell you, I have never been so happy to see a church because I thought if there's a church, it's got to be getting close to the next town, right? Because you wouldn't just have a church out in the middle of nowhere. <sighs> so now it stopped raining. There's a church. Hallelujah. <laughs> and guess what? I, I took some pictures of the church. I go a little further. And attached to the church, there's a little sign that says snack bar. I'm thinking, oh. Because, <laughs> you know, I was pouring down rain. I had, I had been trying. I had water. I had brought a sandwich. You know, I had brought snacks. But I hadn't stopped to eat it or anything. And I barely stopped to drink any of the water because it was pouring down rain. And I just thought I should keep moving. In case, you know, it was going to get dark. Anyway, and I said snack bar. I was like, oh, I can't believe it. So there was a guy sleeping there. I, he wakes up when he hears me. And I say, he's like, do you want something? And he said it in Italian. But I knew what he was saying. And I pointed. He had, a, he had, he had everything out sort of, you know, on display <laughs> at the church. <laughs> and I, I pointed to the beer because I, I had been, you know, worried. I, at this point, I could really use to calm down because I, I was starting to get concerned so he's like sure so he, he brings me I, I sit down he brings me a cold beer and not only does he bring me a cold beer but he brings out four little bowls with olives chips peanuts and cookies I'll tell you it was like Thanksgiving I was like again hallelujah <laughs> I actually had a nice chat with this guy and he was like oh yeah the, the town's right down there. It's just 2,000 steps down. I'm not joking. 2,000 steps down. <laughs> i tell you, though, that was really, the Path of the Gods was really the highlight of my trip. I, I don't know. I, um, sometimes when you put yourself out there, you know, you're, you're, it's like an, once I finally got down there, it's like in a sense of accomplishment. I ran into some people, and they were like, how'd you get here? And I'm like, I walked. <laughs> They're like, you walked? I'm like, oh, yeah, I walked from No Chile. <laughs> I walked on the path of the gods. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. She's been and tell you where she's going.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.